0: Welcome to the Alive Lauren podcast. This is the place of celebrating juicy, soulful living. We aim for at least once a week to have a podcast that celebrates business as a force for good, showing that it's possible to have people and planet as part of the DNA and thrive and contribute. And the rest of the time, musings, stories, sharings, always aim at around 10 minutes. And Alive Lauren at Instagram is a great place to follow along. So. It's something I've been playing with doing for a while and and haven't that I currently tutor some adults English online. And it's so interesting because I inhabit like the tutor role, but there's often so much that I learn from my students and just interesting shares and things. And yesterday was just bursting with (laughs) four actually really interesting shares and topics that I wanted to celebrate and honor And the first one was actually a student who's from Spain and lives in a region that is apparently very famous for its wines. And he has a hobby around wine and wine tasting and food and it's something I once worked with a lady as well, her daughter and her, they were very into wine and they'd been on some courses and it's not something that I've ever really pursued or know much about. So it was really interesting to chat to this student and just talking about just so many elements are really beautiful. The idea of the mastery of something and the art and that wine, because it takes time, you know, when you've got a natural fermentation and something that leans into and celebrates this fermentation, this process of something that happens over time where you land up with something beautiful that's transformed from the beginning. But it's happened because of also like a wonderful merging of contribution between so many different elements. And he was explaining to me that the wines, the grapes, they're these yeasts on the skins of the grapes that actually contribute to the fermentation process, which use up the sugars in the wine, and that there are these acids produced, and that there are tannins, because the wood is often, sorry, the wine is aged in these wooden barrels, and the wood has tannins, which neutralize these acids that can be very strong and and be unpalatable to actually bring in a smoothness. So it was just so lovely. It's still, I'm not a particularly like big wine person, but it was just so lovely to hear this sort of artistry. And what spoke to me was this working together of these different elements and how even the woods offer Different and contribute different flavors that apparently woods from America offer more kind of what did he say like coffee, vanilla, or chocolate tones. And apparently, France wood from France is a lot of fr- French wood for winemaking brings more fruity tones and flavors. And so, lovely this thing with time and with aging and with learning and then appreciating the smell and the aroma and how it changes when you open a bottle with time and with its exposure to the air as you're drinking it. So that was really, really lovely and educational. And I really took away the celebration of artistry that is you know, in crafts, in crafting food or items um, and working with time and with process and the various different elements co-creating and making something beautiful um, with the transformation and how there's a timing. There's a timing when it's ready and there's a time when it would taste revolting. Um and there's a time that can pass it's it's due. So yeah, those elements spoke to me with that. And the other thing they said was beautiful, another student of mine, so she's does a program, so she works at a Japanese it's a school that helps with students that have come from other countries that want to study or work in Japan. So they helped them with the two-year program to really build on their Japanese. And she always has very fascinating things that she does with her students. And she prepared a talk on the happiest countries. And leading the list, I think was she said it was Finland. And what was so interesting was that people actually attributed their happiness to their resilience because apparently they have atrocious weather and it's very difficult and harsh for many, many months of the year. And she said that there's this word sisu in the Finnish language, which is about resilience and how they actually develop a contentment for exactly where they are and what they have to face and to enjoy life and the situations that they're given and how to live happily. So they attribute this happiness to this resilience and this word sisu that's part of their culture. Um, So it's just amazing because it's not like a place that's warm and heavenly and idyllic or you know, like island-like, it's actually that they deal with pretty intense circumstances. So obviously, like there's a broader picture and a bigger context, and and all of that. But I just thought that was beautiful that actually through the challenge of what they go through is what they actually attribute to building this muscle of living. Happily and meaningfully and resiliently, which brings this feeling of contentment and happiness and joy. So that was delicious. And then another student of mine. Was talking about trauma work and her and her husband are both psychologists. They're from Taiwan and how her husband is very interested in trauma and came across TRE. Now, it's also something that I came across a number of years ago in South Africa through a homeopath where she had come across it and then trained and incorporated it into her like toolkit. And it's a tension and trauma release exercise which is all modeled on um, the founding psychologist or therapist who worked and created this. Um, When animals experience trauma, they actually tremor, they shake to release that trauma. And this is then a series of seven exercises that help activate the muscles. And then you allow your body, you get into a posture laying down to actually just tremor. And this was so lovely to hear because I totally had lost connection with this. And it's the best thing if you haven't come across it at all, TRE, trauma and tension release exercise. Um, you can find like information online, but it's, it's much better to actually find a practitioner to actually help you do a session or two so you understand the warm up exercises because that's what we did. I just completely forgotten them. So I was looking for some exercise online to remind me, but her stories were just so interesting because, she said like her husband was really into it, she not so much, and she went on like a one-day workshop and thought, oh, that's interesting, but then she was like battling with insomnia, and her husband said, why don't you just try it, why don't you just try, and the more he persisted the more she resisted (laughs) until eventually like she agreed and they did a session and then so she went through and was reminded like what to do and and, um, then one evening she just decided to try on her own and then went to sleep afterwards and actually fell asleep very easily. So then she admitted to her husband and apologized for being so resistant for so long. And then she shared with me, actually, that recently she's decided to incorporate it as more of a regular practice. Not only if she's had something traumatic or some anger or tension she wants to release, but also, I mean, she shared that she's had so many experiences in the last year, like also she had a a back pain. And her husband was also suggesting using it for that and also resistant, um, but she did. And actually it helped with alleviation of back pain. And she witnessed like um, a motor vehicle accident that was pretty traumatic and she used it on that. So it was wonderful to actually just have that reminder. So I think also I'm going to incorporate that back And then the last sort of final little piece that was also so interesting, I have another student doing a postgraduate course abroad, and she's preparing this essay on gender bias and seeing what colors and what contributes to gender bias. And then she shared with me, part of what she's including in her essay, is women in politics, and that there are countries where more than 50% of the women in parliament uh, oh, sorry, um, all the seats in parliament are women. So I know we can also look at this in terms of representation of other groups um, and that. But just what I just found so fascinating here as well is where things come from. So top of the list is actually Rwanda that has the highest number of women in parliamentary positions, with 61% of seats occupied by women. And it's so interesting because Rwanda came through, gosh, like a horrific um, time as a country and with the genocides and the violence and just amazing what can be birthed because I found this article on globalcitizen.org talking about this and about women in parliament and women in politics. And this reference that actually because of what Rwanda went through, that when you go through like really extreme situations, you actually get to kind of regroup and really think about what do we want in our constitution. So yeah, it's just how sometimes you can have amazing shifts just in terms of the resiliency. Not that it should need to come through that, but it's more just was just like a witnessing and an honoring that through like a intensity that they've come through. Just thought that was really remarkable. Um, and also this beautiful share that there have been fewer African countries In the top 10 But that's not because they're doing worse It's actually because other countries Are doing better So that um, globally there's this move And and still to say that the movement is slow In terms of female And obviously the representation of other groups But to celebrate those That have taken the steps And are moving Um, And what I also found remarkable Was in third position United Arab Emirates because sometimes there's stereotypes, I mean of take full responsibility in terms of you know that certain like ideas of whether how much freedom of expression and opportunity do women in the Middle East have. Um, and obviously then those are stereotypes because it's it's very obviously different and unique to country and situation. So here, in United Arab Emirates, so actually their current president, called for a massive occupation of women in parliament in 2018, where he said they need to occupy half the seats. So in 2019, UAE was 85th. And in this recent listing, they're now in the third position So yeah, just amazing how quickly things can change. So that's also like something with this whole COVID experience and that it is possible for change with climate, with legislation, with regenerative farming, with more conscious business. It is possible for change to happen swiftly and smoothly and to grow a momentum. So that is a little bit over a 10-minute mark, but just some delicious bites of inspiration, the things that I was very grateful to each of these students for sharing and bringing to my awareness. And I hope that it has brightened and enlivened and lit some part of your day. So until we meet again.